At the center of the universe, at the border between the light and the dark, stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come the power. The power to be supreme. The power to be all-knowing. The power to be... Legends of Grayskull. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you for joining us for episode two of Legends of Grayskull. The podcast where we talk about He-Man, She-Ra, Masters Universe, Princess Power, Golden Books, Kid Stuff Books, DC Comics, MVC Creations Comics. Oh, I'm out of breath already. Uh, Prentice, <laughs> New Adventures, Princesses of Power, everything and anything you can think with the Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power logo, He-Man logo. We're covering all that stuff. We're going to dive deep into the lore and mythology. And I need to polish up that intro someone one of these days. <laughs> I am here, Matthew Dooch, here along with Sean Scavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? I'm doing okay. How are you, Matt? Oh, wonderful. Take a breath now. All right. Take a breath. So, After that today, intro, you deserve a breath. It's okay. <laughs> I, will, I will get that polished, I promise. <laughs> Playing around with some different stuff every time. Hey, I, I'm impressed every time you do it. I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> hey, if you did, if I did that off the cuff, it would turn into a train wreck <laughs> in slow motion. It would be horrible. Hey, we try. One of these days, I'm going to get that uh, flying fish into the into Oh, the yeah. And then, and then the whole episode can be like, you had to bring up the fish. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh -huh. All right. So today, we are taking a look at... The Filmation episode. Yes, we're doing Filmation. It's a very important part of Master's history. Essential. Very yeah, essential. If you ask a care. lot of people, not just me. I don't care <laughs> what you say. It, 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 I feel, is the biggest catalyst in making Masters of the Universe the huge 80s property that it was. It made it very accessible to households uh, tuning in every weekday after school here in the U.S., and it, it really around the world. <laughs> uh, it really finalized a lot of the concepts that would become standard in almost all iterations following this. So yeah, but we're not taking a look at any. Well, I don't think any of the big ones. Um, we'll get to those. But today we're looking at one that I remember from childhood. Um, it's always hit hit. It's meant a lot to me. It's a good story, action-packed, um, and that is Curse of the Spellstone. It's an early season one episode. I want to say episode four or five that was aired. Mm -hmm. um, so the animation is a little looser than they would get, especially in season two and into the She-Ra series. Uh, but you've got all the basics there, and you can you can tell that they're getting a feel for this world. Uh, Sean, do you remember this from your childhood, or what? What's your experience remembering this episode? Um, I'm sure I saw it. I saw pretty much every episode when it aired in the '80s. But I, the one I remember, the two I remember the most are always going to be the House of Shakoti and the Diamond Ray of Disappearance because those were Diamond Ray was the first one. House of right. Shakoti was the most impressionable 
one for me when I was a kid. But this one, um, I do remember. Here's a question that I had watching this, and maybe you'll know it. The sticker books that they had, the Panini ones when we were kids. Uh, you were a little younger than or younger than me. So I don't, did you have the Panini ones? No, I mean, I never knew about them until uh, okay. the internets. So. so so I'm curious, and I'm going to have to research this. I, I'm a little behind on my research for the episode. Whether or not this one was covered in those, because there are definitely moments from this episode where I remember, like, the monster, the the like snake like monster with the tentacles, yeah, uh, the red one and all that. I, it's like I know I was putting stickers into a book with those that monster and the fire people that we'll meet later on. And I'm like, I think that's how I remember this episode more than just watching it. I, so it was impressionable to me in that way too. Just you know, here's the stickers, put them on, and here's the adventure it tells and everything. I've got to imagine it was because. I know the other sticker books I've seen, they had, they did Diamond Ray of Disappearance and, yeah. like, mm-hmm. Father Like Daughter and, and this is very much up there in this, the early run, you know. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like those sticker books, they mainly covered these early episodes, like, they the first batch of episodes mm-hmm. filmation got done. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, and it, it helps a lot at being an early episode because it doesn't, it doesn't suffer from the the goofiness of Skeletor. It doesn't suffer no. from. I mean, let's just let's just put it out there. He man. Uh, when I say it's an action packed story, I mean it's going boom, boom, boom. There are a couple lengthy for filmation fight sequences. I mean, they're mm-hmm. nothing that are going to get you know surpassed two thousand X or some other media. But for Filmation, like, this is one of the more action-packed episodes. No, you're not going to see people getting cut open. You you were never going to see that. Filmation, the time that the Filmation cartoon was done in, uh, the FCC had just re- relaxed the restrictions on children's programming. Um, it, it, this was a very dangerous ground that Filmation was going into as far as bringing a simple toy property to the screen. And they were under... A lot of scrutiny, and so they had to play it safe. They yeah. pushed the envelope in a lot of episodes, uh, House of Shakoti especially, um, and talking to all the writers, and or I haven't talked to the writers, the people who have interviewed the writers and everything, they wanted to take it further. They wanted to make it, you know, a step up, but it's just, it's, you can't look at this and compare it as far as the action goes to today's cartoons in today's media because it was just a whole different landscape then yeah and i mean for me at least with the filmation stuff uh, like i said it in the episode when we talked about the beginning i don't i don't dislike filmation it's not the one that i typically go to more as an adult because there is a certain action that I like from 2000X and a certain mythology telling from there because the episodic stuff for filmation for me, that's kind of what drains my enjoyment nowadays. Like I, I'm about, you know, let's binge this because that's the, the societal way that we're used to entertaining ourselves now. And, uh, but the thing is, you know, like filmation, for all the stuff that there are dissenters about now in the, the community and stuff like that. And, oh, it's all mini comics or, oh, it's only this or, oh, it's only that. Um, 
I want to just go to the primal thing about filmation for me for a moment. You cannot tell me that when that filmation logo hits and those letters of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe pop and you just hear that theme kick in, that it doesn't innately bring out this enjoyment that you're like, it might be filmation. It might not be the version for the action or for the story that you love. But dear God, it brings out the enjoyment of what we love about this line the minute that stuff hits. And it's like, you know, you you go, let's do this episode. And then I turned on the uh, the cartoon. It's like the minute that stuff hits, I'm just grinning from ear to ear going, oh, here it comes. And then, hey, man, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and then going forward, like like you said, this episode, this episode for 21 minutes covers a heck of a lot of ground. Um, there isn't a, a lot of filler at all. So, um, that for me is, you know, it's a, it's an awesome episode for that reason alone. Uh, but there's also really good reasons above and beyond that. Right. Yeah. And so, like I said, we won't, we won't diatribe too long on this whole thing, but we, yes, we wanted to give a little background. This is our first filmation episode. Yep. We won't launch into this every time. Um, we think most of you are already familiar with all the restrictions and everything. So. Um, but yeah, with, with that filmation logo is timeless and it's, mm-hmm. it's funny cause after growing up on the, the Bing and everything, yeah. uh, you go back and watch some of the earlier filmation stuff and they got that weird cartoony one. And I'm like, what is this? Like, this, yeah. is, not, <laughs> this is not my filmation, but then even, well, it, even recently I watched, um, I think I watched Brave, Brave Star and I think it's got that same opening filmation, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. I haven't watched a lot of brave star. It's just, I never remember seeing it on TV or advertised when I was a kid. So I, I never really watched it. I've watched it a couple times as an adult, but I think it's got that same logo. And even just, even though it was all brave star after that, seeing that, mm-hmm. you know, it's actually kind of a disappointment when the he man doesn't come up. Like, yeah, I, I know <laughs> it, it, uh, I mean, it's ingrained. It's, it's the music and everything. The music, especially. I mean, Filmation, yep. there has been no He-Man soundtrack, uh, fight me if you don't agree with me, that has has topped Filmations. It is so unique and otherworldly, and it just puts you puts you in the... It's, it's so different from everything else that you hear and see. Just to... I, I have to do a quick aside. The, my screen is doing the whole pausing us thing so did you want to all right now now it's kind of back up and running a little better i don't know there sorry about that everyone little technical difficulty we should be good to go now without losing an entire episode (laughs) yeah let's not do that um though there's that meme out there that it says you know pictures don't make sounds uh, or you can't you can't you you know like the sounds and all that kind of stuff and every time I think of that, it's like, okay, the filmation logo is one of them. And then like the actual shot of here's, here's Prince Adam raising the sword to become He-Man. It's like, yeah, no, you can't tell me that. Mm-hmm. So the filmation logo kind of turned me into Pavlov's dog as a kid where I was, I was just like, Oh, we're about to get He-Man. I'd be salivating waiting for the, you know, Prince Adam to show up on the screen basically. No, exactly. And, <laughs> so. and that's, that's exactly how it is. It's, um, yeah, you see a picture of Filmation He-Man and you just 
hear that theme music in your head. Like mm-hmm. you see that picture mm-hmm. of him crushing the diamond ray and you can hear that whole scene, that whole dialogue. It's just, it's ingrained and, you get the, and it's classic. Just, and, and the, I used to love that when he did it. Cause it's like, you know, he's putting, he's putting himself through the paces when you hear the grunting and, the the melodic moaning, I guess, is what I would call it. <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh. Exactly. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. I used to do that stuff as a kid. I mean, you used to. How about you? But like, you'd watch a show and then you go outside and you do the same thing. You'd make those noises. It, yeah. I even I even did that like walk that like stiff walk that they do. You know what I mean? Like yep. that that filmation walk and in the crazy running, which we'll see in this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I was so happy when we saw that crazy run. Like, uh, even with my kids, when my kids got to be a certain weight and I'm having to pick them up, I actually will do that. Yeah. And my wife's like, "Why are you always doing that?" I'm like, "You just don't understand." <laughs> like, you know. And and really quick, uh, quick little uh, filmation joke that a, a buddy of mine brought up to me a couple years back. I was trying to help him move, mm-hmm. and he had this beat up crappy couch that nobody was going to sit in this thing. It was just there in his apartment. He didn't have anybody to help him move it. So we, we got it out together. He's like, okay, I want to put it in the dumpster behind the building. So we get it to the dumpster and he and I are trying to put it in and he can't lift it to a certain height. And I'm trying to get it. And I'm a little better shape at him, a little better shape than him at this point, if I can even get it out. And we got it to a point where it just needed to be lifted over. Mm. And He's just there like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And I go, let me try this. And I'm like, get away. I actually did the, hey, man, and I, I lifted the thing doing the theme song the whole time. <laughs> and he's just standing there. His eyes were like saucers watching. And here I am just lifting it, manhandling it by myself, throwing it into the dumpster. And I just look at him. He's like, you are he, man. I'm like, it helps. That song it helps. It, it, <laughs> it just it puts you in that mode. It's like pumping iron. You know, you're pumping power. So. I, have, I have that set to my main ringtone, that that main <laughs> opening theme. And whenever my phone goes off, I am I feel stronger. It it has a, a psychological effect on you. And I actually it does. I never answer on the first, first ring because I want that to play for a little bit. Um, <laughs> I would too. I would too. But yeah, it, it, it's great. Not enough can be said. Uh, uh, Shuki Levi, he did the soundtrack for it, and and he just knocked it out of the park. He. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh, filmation. There's so many people that you could never thank them all. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to seem like it's only one person or whatever, but all all the animators, all the writers. You know, the music, everything, they created another world for you. Um, mm-hmm. You look at their stuff, and there's no point where you're going. Uh, it never feels earthly. Everything is easily recognizable, but at no point do you go. The trees, they they were able to do the trees in a way that, um, you know, they, they just looked, they looked foreign. They looked different, mm-hmm. but recognizable. And they did such a great job on that because you don't want to go, you don't want to go too, um, too foreign, too alien where the kids are like, what is this? I don't feel comfortable here. But they took mm-hmm. it to where you can honestly look at all these shots and go, well, we're on another planet. I mean, so mm-hmm. uh, massive props to all of them. 
Um, Definitely. So let's go ahead and jump into the episode here. Uh, All right. It opens up, you know, obviously got Prince Adam everything. Um, we'll save our intro talk, I think, until one day that we can actually uh, come up with a way to view the episode at the same time. Um, yeah, that works. But it opens right up with uh, Skeletor and Evelyn, and we're just at this at this temple. And I love it's it's the opening where it tracks in from space. That is my favorite opening. You track in, you see the whole planet. There are a lot of panning shots in this, which I love. I loved them as a kid. I, they're not boring to me. It's it helps, like I said, helps set the tone to me that you're tracking mm-hmm. in from outer space. It's very foreign looking a very different world and um and uh, and then you come to this temple and it's skeletor and evelyn and they've they've already found the st- spellstone. i love it you jump in we're already at like they've already you're not sitting there at the council table waiting for them to figure things out and what are we gonna do mm-hmm. and it just no they've got they're already here like they've achieved their objective before the episode even starts like that yeah. that is awesome um, I love how Evelyn's portrayed in this episode. Uh, you really get the feeling that they are equals. And, and the dialogue is very much, I mean, she, they literally say, like, you do your part, I'll do mine. We'll rule together. Um, like I said, this is an early episode. This is Evelyn and Skeletor at their finest. I think the whole way through, all the characters are their quintessential core characters. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And it, in some ways, watching this one, it almost made me go, why does he need his other warriors in some ways? The two of them do quite a lot of damage in this episode that, you know, it's like you got race against time stuff in almost every factor of the story, B, the B story and the A story. And it's like it was just the two of them doing mm-hmm. it. You know, like that's that's impressive that they 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 let that happen and really show this is what they can do just together working that way. So no. Yeah. And, and it, and even then once again, well, not once again, cause I said it in the episode that was lost, but, uh, Evelyn and Skeletor, they really don't, they really don't tell you their plan. Uh, they don't, yeah. they don't monologue. So it's, you know, it's not, it's not treating the kids like, like you're dumb or anything. It's not holding your hand. They do their thing. And then we move on to the next. I'm trying to remember here. I can't remember if Evelyn changes into her disguise at this point or if it's later. No, she does pretty much there because he says about doing her part. And then she turns into the older woman there. And she talks about the voice in the crowd sometimes is more powerful than I forget the exact wording, but you know, the yeah. she's, she's gonna, she's gonna stir the pot. And the I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. that part as a kid. You just kind of go with it and you kind of get what's happening. But once you watch that part as an adult and we'll get that in a minute, like that's a really devious, like, mm-hmm. and it's right. I mean, but we'll get to that in a minute. But so they activate the spell stone Evelyn changes into her disguise, which, while not named in the episode, thanks to James Etock and his wonderful uh, He-Man and She-Ra, Complete Guide to Classic Animated Adventures, available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, <laughs> stores near you. Um, 
Big shout. Unabashed plug. <laughs> Unofficial plug. I hope, I hope James doesn't mind, but um, it's an amazing book. Lots of info. Um, pick it up. Pick up all the Dark Horse books. Um, yeah, they're worth it. They're uh, worth it. But yes, Evil Lynn's disguise uh, character was named uh, Xenia, Z-E-N-I-A. Okay. It could probably be just Xena, Xenia, something like that. Um, uh, so yeah, the writers really, really put some thought into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she transforms, they activate the spellstone, and then we cut to the royal palace. And this scene, and I know it's going to sound dumb, but this scene, even as a kid like impacted me even rewatching it years later i'm like oh yeah i remember this scene and here again you you get the feel that's an early episode which it is because they're really setting up these characters and they're really setting up who these characters are and just to see the nice calm music as it as it as it trucks into the royal palace and seeing everybody just kind of like at their leisure you know Mm -hmm. um it really sets up how this world works and how the good guys are on top. And it's a good juxtaposition years later from seeing the she series where they're all the rebellion to this series where it's like, it's just another beautiful day. Everyone's chilling around the Royal Palace mm-hmm. going about their stuff. Cringer's asleep under a table. Orko's playing around. Um I just like this scene. It, it sets the t- if you want to know who the royal family is, watch this scene because this is exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. And Sean has nothing to say about this scene. He was bored. Well, at this no, point. the the thing now, I, I, the scene. I think the thing about it to me is the device that Man at Arms brings up in this scene. It just kind of made me scratch my head and go. You guys already have control of so many things about your kingdom, <laughs> but you still need to control this too. You need to control the weather on time. And it's like, how often do we really see a snowstorm? How often do yeah. we see a rainstorm on Eternia? Almost every episode that, at least that yeah. I think of, you get the bright daylight. Mm-hmm. Here's castle, you know, Palace Eternos, you know, and it's like. Does it really have to be a thing that you need to control the weather on top of it? I mean, yep. there there was somebody who said if it wasn't for Skeletor, it, like it, he's almost the protagonist at times because he's the one setting the ball in motion of trying to accomplish something in some of these episodes. So it's almost like they're making them even more of yep. the, you know, we're not going to even worry about that because the weather, we can control that. You know, I, yep. I, I, I like that they're showing the extent of man at arms having this know-how and being able to create this stuff. But there is a certain amount of really like you need to do that on top of everything. So, so I guess I'm not trying to be nitpicky and I feel like I already sound nitpicky, but there (laughs) is a certain amount of like, I'm cool with him building attack tracks. I'm cool Mm -hmm. with him doing a lot of the modifications to the palace, inventing new weapons and armory. But when you get into the point of he's controlling something that involves the entire planet, yeah. there's an element of like, dude, you're just you're just you're messing with stuff you shouldn't do. You know, like that's probably not the best idea at times. No, I completely agree. And I, and I was going to bring that up. Uh, OK, I was, getting to that. <laughs> I was wondering I was wondering how you're going to handle that. But uh, I, don't, um, I don't like it. I uh, it's too much, in my opinion. Yeah. If you want to be, you know, well, 
you know, um, there is the season two episode, The Ice Age Cometh, where the whole plot revolves around this weather station that they have on, you know, in one of the poles of Eternia that controls the weather. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of say, like, okay, this is like the precursor. This is what led to that technology. I don't like it. It's it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. That technology that controls all of your weather. Um, if it was more, even if it was more influence the weather than necessarily control it but i yeah i don't i don't like this machine man arms has a lot of good inventions it's it's a plot device to get talking about the storms that are going to be coming from the spellstone that's all yeah. it is. but yes that was even watching it last night i rewatched it again and it made me groan it's like oh so. well it, here's here's the thing that i thought of watching this it's you have, and and maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just I I wasn't keeping up with it as well as I should, or something. But we have the spellstone that we're introduced to, mm-hmm. and then later on we have the the other problem that the uh, the palace is going to have to deal with yeah. because of Evelyn and Skeletor. But then adding that little device into the mix almost feels like. That should be its own episode because I felt like they could have done something else with just that plot point rather than just here's this little thing. And, oh, it's showing us there's a problem going on somewhere else because it now won't control the weather. Right. It's like it would have been kind of a good one. It, it reminds me of almost uh, the Magic Steel or mini comic where you could have had them doing that and then something else happens where the, the whole planet's in danger because of an invention he creates. Right. So I almost feel like they're throwing too many artifacts and, and elements into the basic premise of a 21-minute yeah. uh, episode. So in that way, I, I, that's another reason I was like, really? You know, like the, it, it was too much for me, I guess. And like I said, that might just be my little pea brain and, looking at the episode. <laughs> and it's not mentioned again. You almost wonder exactly. if that's from an early draft where it was going to be more about the weather machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, this weather machine literally exists just for Randor and Man at Arms to have a reason to look out the window. Um, exactly. <laughs> I will say that's that's the one point in this episode last night where I'm like, okay, that that could have been handled better. Um, Agreed. But beyond that, uh, yeah. Go ahead. But the weather, the weather starts changing, yep. and that leads us into the action commencing at least. So yep. we got that going for us. Yeah, and we've got we've got the quintessential man at arms. He knows he knows about the spellstone. He knows, you know, and he says, and that's why I think you don't you didn't even need the weather machine. You could have just had the storm be acting in a certain way that reminds man at arms about the spellstone. Exactly, because that, and that's basically he goes. You know, the only thing that can, that can cause these kind of storms is the spellstone. So okay, well, we need to go stop the spellstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a very nice. Uh, Adam Cringer moment, the quintessential Cringer, the reluctant Cringer. Um, he's he's just afraid. He's he's afraid he can't. But when the time, as we know, time and time again, uh, Cringer will will do what needs to be done. Um, Slowly walking, by the way. Yes, that was something that amused me when he walks off to go with Adam and uh, come on, Cringer, and he's the slowest individual there. It's like he knows what's about to happen. Yeah. He's not thrilled, but at the same time, he's not going to be able to nap if this happens because Adam just won't let him. And, <laughs> he needs he needs battle cap. And at the end of the day, Cringer knows what needs to be done, and he's mm-hmm. just, 
But yeah, he just woke up from a nap. He's tired. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. I'll give him that. He's I know a lazy, how I am. He's a lazy now. kitty. <laughs> um, I do want to jump back real quick because we got a little head. I do want to point out uh, Orko in this episode. Uh, I felt he once again he was really well done. This is the Orko I like. He did he, he did some tricks and stuff, but he's not the overly kitty uh, Orko that we'd get, especially in season two. He yeah he seemed yeah, competent. He was there for some, and basically in the later part of the episode, which we'll talk about, he's basically there to cut the tension for the kids, which I think yeah. is very well done. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a fun bit with Adam at the beginning of this episode that still makes me chuckle to this day because it it just I don't know it's just something about just seeing their their relationship their friendship and how Adam kind of like takes his trick and turns it on him was just yeah, like something yeah. I would do to one of my buddies you know like oh look well it, it's it's the dad and the kid the kid's yeah. trying to figure out something to impress the dad and the dad knows all the steps to it and that cuz I like that at the end where he's like how did you do that and he's like a magician never reveals his secrets orco and it's yeah. like that's kind of funny cuz it's it's that whole I turned the tables on you I'm not going to tell you how I did it you know right. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah I, I appreciated that that, that like I said, I think everybody's ridden to the, to perfection in this episode. Um, and then this is where the action starts. Um, yeah. And, and there was a very very unique, uh, not transformation sequence, because that's the same one we've always seen. But the a little Ad, different. The Adam before the transformation sequence. Mm-hmm. It wasn't your, your typical waist shot, you know, unsheathing the sword of yeah. power. He already yeah. had it out, and he did, like, this swing motion. It just mm-hmm. not... It's always nice to see a little bit of difference in in the mm-hmm. animation, uh, but then then the He Man theme kicks in and we're off yep. to the races. And this, <laughs> I, I'm t- this episode, I I love how they 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 boarded it out and everything. You know, I love how it's it switches back and forth. I'm gonna say your A plot and your B plot, but really the two plots are intertwined. It's it's sure. the same plot, but jumping back and forth throughout this episode between He-Man's adventure and what's going on in the palace. Uh, it was done really well. Uh, and the themes would always jump back and forth. It, uh, in these early episodes, especially Diamond Ray Disappearance, are really used this soundtrack to full effect, I felt. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we jumped to, to Adam, or He-Man, and he's, uh, he's grabbed Stratos and Ram Man, which are always fun to see. Um... And they're they're in the attack track. They got to go to the region of flame in order to find the the spellstone. Mm-hmm. And we got that that cool monster that you brought up earlier. I love that thing. Um, he was slightly reused later on in taking of Grayskull um, mm-hmm. to a different effect. But uh, yeah, just and especially as a kid watching that, watching him be the, him grab the whole attack track and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I love the, I love those larger than life imposing monsters, and those I are felt, kind, yeah. Oh, I, I was just gonna say I felt kind of bad for the monster by the end of it though because the <laughs> thing just I mean that that guy it was just not his day. I mean, <laughs> it's like uh, I mean you know it's like okay He Man and, and Stratus and Ram Man when they when they meet it the first time they could be lunch. Yeah. Had, well, a little electricity will solve this problem, and yeah. he touches a button and the thing gets electrocuted. And then later on in the episode, he can't eat again. It's like, poor thing. It probably just, it, it needs its mid-morning snack, you know? I mean, what the heck? Yeah, and that's so. 
that's the other neat thing. That this this monster, he wasn't sent by Skeletor. He wasn't, you know, he was just he was just a creature. He's looking for some lunch. He's hungry. He sure. pops up out of the lava. Uh, the whole region of flame was very well done. Uh, I don't yeah. think that was reused anywhere else. That's why I asked about the sticker album, because this episode, um, the the group that we get to meet later on, mm-hmm. the fire people, I'm still lost at why we don't have classics figures for these guys. Absolutely. Like, they, they, like how do we have an icer, mm-hmm. but we don't have the fire people of all people? Like, that would have been, like, the Snake Men 2-pack. Why, why is it we didn't get two of those guys? And then we also see they have a a cat of their own and a pterodactyl. Oh yeah, and it's like I know I'm getting ahead of the story, but like no. because we're going into this, it's like I, I remember watching it, just going, "How the hell did we not get classics guys for this? Those would have been awesome to put on the shelf." Absolutely, like, man. And, and, the translucence, tra- exactly. That they're yeah. such a simple design, yet they're so memorable, and that's part. Oh of yeah. That. As a kid, I wanted figures of those. Like they looked awesome. I'm sure I same here. I played with some other figures and pretended they were them because I really wish they had come back in one of the episodes because they they were really really well done. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the region of flame. The, it's very unique backgrounds. Uh, the whole the temple where the spellstone is at. That's that's unique. I can't just watching it last night. Nothing popped ahead into my mind where it was repainted or reused, which is nice in these early episodes. You get a lot more of that. You get a lot more of the unique backgrounds, the unique animations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, so the heroic warriors are able to make it to the temple then. Um, I can't, I'm not going to remember the cuts exactly, but at the same time, Evil Lynn is trying to... Uh, basically, she's using... The well... Sword. Yeah, go ahead. We, we we have a fire because of the weather, if I remember right. Yeah, and she's that, using the spellstone to attack this village. Yeah, which mm-hmm. you think she's just attacking a random village, but we find out that she's actually she's got a plan. She once she got plans upon plans here. So yeah, you're right there. You yeah, a call came through, but I, came I just caught, I declined it quick. I want to um, make sure that wasn't uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't messed. Wasn't the recording? Nope. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us what happens at the village, Sean. So the at the village, uh, there's a fire. Man at Arms and Teal are on the scene trying to put the fire out because, as we find out later in a filmation episode, there is no I, royal fire brigade. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. Oh, that's why I'm glad you let you me have it because that's one of my favorite <laughs> transformations of all time. Just, oh, I'm going to fire the royal fire brigade. There is no royal fire brigade by the power. It's like, and because energy is going to help in this situation. <laughs> I've got, I've got to, re- I've got to remember what episode that is. I, I, I think know it's the too. one where Orko's baking a cake in the opening, I want to say. I, it, it's driving me crazy, and I really got to look that one up myself. Because when I found that for my kids that day and they did that, I just laughed my butt off going, poor Snout Spout. Like, that poor guy. <laughs> I know it's before the figure, I'm yep. sure. But it just made me have one more, like, crushing blow to the ego of that character. And um, uh, it shows here that there is... There and is a, a fire royal fire brigade. It's, <laughs> oh, but um, that throwaway yeah. line in the in the in the episode you're quoting is the one yeah. that I take issue with, not this, because they obviously have a plan. They got these they, pumper units. So. Yes, yes, they do, they do. I, I just like to have my little fun there. But 
Uh, so yeah, Tila and uh, Man at Arms are there on the scene trying to help the villagers, and uh, through the the ensuing uh, the ensuing work, Evelyn manages to get Tila knocked to the ground, and then Man at Arms is more focused on her because that's his daughter, and the village is still burning. So he tells the villagers. You know, keep keep put, trying to put the fire out. I'll be right back because he's trying to get Tila mm-hmm. to safety. And in that time, the villagers are like, "Our homes are burnt to the ground." Right. And exactly. Evelyn, in her disguise, shows up, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, well, I I think the royal palace is to blame for all this, and right. and it, it it just creates the snowball rolling down the hill for these villagers to be swayed that because the villagers actually go, "No, no, no, it wasn't them. It right. wasn't their fault." And she just in that moment where they're at the lowest point because these people lost mm. their homes, she manages to get a bit of a mob going. And right. I actually really was impressed by watching this part because right. usually they don't try to go that route in in a master story. They It's usually He-Man and Skeletor versus each other using whatever means that they have at their disposal – but in this one, they're now using the people against the palace. And I thought that was really effective. Yeah, no, it's and that's what I was saying. As a kid, you, you get what's going on, but you don't understand all the complexities of it. No, no And it don't. is a fast scene. It would have been nice to be a little longer. But once again, we're in a 20-minute cartoon. Um, but you get the feeling. And this is the point. It's funny, too, because this is the point where I feel that that weather machine was written for, but she doesn't actually bring it up uh, as evil, you know, evil in in disguise mm-hmm. with her. Well, let's blame the Royal palace. It, it, I mean, I guess you can read between the lines that they, they might know that man at arms has invented this machine. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, without that, you're kind of going, well, why would we blame man at arms for a storm? So you kind of got to figure that they, know about his i think she does do the line his inventions i don't um, remember that i the way i looked at it just watching it was she looked at it as okay taking Tila out of the equation he was yeah. more focused on her than he was helping others oh yeah, yeah and sure. and that was an easy way for for that to be you know like oh well he's only worried about his his yeah. family he's not worried about his people you know yeah. and so in that way, whether or not she did or she didn't say about the technology or the, the invention, it's like that was also a great way of saying oh, one way or the other, these people don't care about you. They're only invested in their, themselves, and that's why you lost your homes because yeah. he stopped trying to put the fire out. But it, it's like you said, the timing of the episode because you have him there – with the water trying to put the fire out, him and Tila doing it. And within the span of 10 seconds, all this stuff happens that makes him have to pick her up and get her away. And their home is already burned to the ground by that point. So it's kind of like, it really wasn't his fault. You know, (laughs) like it's, you know, he did what he could, but you know, there's only so much time you have in a fire and all that kind of stuff. So, and and I'm pretty sure she did. She did mention something about technology or inventions or something. I remember that. Um, so basically, you got to figure that, that this is the scene the weather machine was written for, so that mm-hmm. they can kind of be like, "Well, look, he created this machine. It created this thunderstorm. Yeah, it burned our houses down. All he's worried about is his daughter. The royal family yeah. only cares about themselves, and she just turns these people's minds when they're at their weakest, like you said. Yeah, um, and gets them into an angry mob, and that is 
for a kid's cartoon to go that level is amazing. Yeah. You appreciate it fully as an adult. Um, and then we have, uh, then we have the plot point that's going to pretty much for no pun intended, but eat up the yeah. rest of the plot, the plot for the Royal palace. And she finds out that the old man, it's an old man. And I'm guessing it's either his son and daughter or his son and his wife or maybe, you know, daughter and husband. I don't know, I but it's information it's, here. Hang on. There uh, we go. <laughs> okay. So the old man is old Zach. Old Zach. I was going to call him Eldor, so that's better, actually. Yeah, Old very, Zach. Very much. Uh, Jamar <laughs> is the young man, and Bran is his wife. So okay. The female okay, Bran. so it's it's probably like her dad or his dad, and the two of them, husband and wife. Right. But uh, we find out that the old Zach knows about this ancient artifact, uh, which I'm like, how out of everybody in this village, how does he know? Like I know it's it's something it's an ancient thing uh, they even bring it up later on in the episode about it was this this thing that they would use to go after criminals basically on Eternia right. but it's like out of everybody here how is it that the old Zach is the one who knows this is something that can be used or whatever I I, I don't know if I missed that or if it was just by luck he knew that well, about this I took it as like old Zach is is like the village elder. He's the, the oldest guy elder. in the village. Okay. And they say in there, uh, Evelyn already knows, uh, what's it called? It's, it's called the Creeping Horak. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it was, uh, I think they said, they, they said it hasn't been used in ages or something like that. Mm-hmm. Basically this is a punishment they used to use for their worst criminals. It's basically the death sentence on Eternia. If you, were sentenced to the creeping Horak, you were going to die. They don't they mm-hmm. don't ever explicitly say that, but it is. It's you unleash this thing on on a building, a structure. I have to imagine for these criminals back in Eternia, I think they just say in Eternia's past. Mm-hmm. Um you'd unleash this thing on the building and it would just consume the entire building until there was no air left. They literally say that. Until they there was suffocate no the air criminal. Left. It, yeah. It encloses <laughs> them and it suffocates them. Yeah. Which, as a kid, I don't think I would have understood that completely no. because, you know, the idea of that wouldn't have, it, like, if, if they would have basically, and this is just me going to one of my childhood, like, dear God, it's, it, I, it's one of my movies where it triggers me. Right. Watership Down. Yeah, it reminds me of like there's this whole scene in it where the bunnies meet other bunnies that are all creeped out looking, and they're like, "What happened?" And they talk about how the farmers basically suffocated them right. in their homes, and and it's like if they would have just said, looked at the camera, and King Randall goes, "Sean, it's like watership down," I would have been like, <gasps> you know, yeah. like, "That would have been the end of it for me," because that is such a horrific way mm-hmm. that I could think of to die, and it's like here uh, for for as kitty friendly as filmation has been deemed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this episode doesn't pull the punches on the kitty friendly compared exactly. to other ones so matt thank you because this is <laughs> one of those where it, it made me have a renewed appreciation for filmation because uh that that really went dark to it me did. like and and the fact that you know that from that point on it's a race against time for the the you know teal uh, man at arms and the qu- king and queen it's like 
Whew, that's that's, what, and Orco, Orco too. And that's but. what I was going to say. It's got, it's got, for all the people who, who want to hash those filmation tropes of there was no action, there was no fighting, you know, there was no real stakes, all that, watch this episode because yeah. it, it puts about all of them on its head. Um, yeah, so, and the, and the thing is, it's written in a way... Like I said, they, they say it'll run out of air, but they don't say it'll suffocate them. So as a kid, I knew, like, okay, this is bad. Like, this, in my mind, I was like, okay, this will kill them. But as an adult, I'm like, this is not only going to kill them. It's gonna, like, they're just going to be, like, surrounded by, and what we see is it's just this black mass yeah. that just envelopes everything. So I'm just going to be <laughs> surrounded by this, and yeah. then I'm going to suffocate to death. Like, as an hey. adult, it's like, yeah. what the hell? heck you know it's it's pretty rough and and on top of that like like we we don't have the typical filmation tropes on this where it is more kitty friendly and there's more humor in it Mm -hmm. but the thing about this episode that made me just grin from ear to ear because number one i i when you said curse of the spellstone when we said what episode we're gonna do Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was the creeping Horath, Horak, yep. uh, it, it, Horath, right? It, Horak. If I remember, Horak, okay. H-O-R-A-K, I, I, like Hordak except missing the D. Hordak, but it's Horak, okay. Yep. So when it, when it, when it was uh, the that episode, because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm almost sure. Then all of a sudden, the creeping Horak, I'm like, it's that episode. We hear yep. that oh, noise yeah. through the whole thing, and I'm like, oh, this is so, like, it's, it doesn't have the tropes, but it has a lot of the stuff that makes you just go, this is filmation. There's right. no way around it. It's filmation. The sound effects and and oh, that sound effect in particular and the noises of like the monsters on these shows oh, like yeah. that echoey roar that they use for the uh, the bigger monsters and stuff. It's yeah. all in here. It's great. That's what I'm saying. This is this is quintessential filmation. But it's not the hokey filmation that everyone seems to remember. And I don't know if yeah. that's just a product of not – I think for a lot of people it's it's they don't revisit it when they're older or, you know, and they're just relying on the childhood memories. Or, yeah. Or they happen to pick those episodes that are – there are hokey episodes. It's 130 yeah. episodes they did, people. It's got to – you can't have 130 winners. It's just yeah. it's not possible. I, I real real quick is you know like when I had He-Man toys before filmation I would have never ever expected to have so many songs yeah from the filmation show like when when the Orco with the uh, the horn of evil and all that stuff yeah. and even like the 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 secret of the sword episode you know like you have the theme song for that so it's like you know that that to me is the the hokier filmation for lack of a better term because those are definitely things I wasn't expecting out of the series, but this is way more like this is what I wanted out of the series uh, from a story standpoint because I love ancient artifacts, I love the ancient curses like the Horak here and stuff like that. So I will say you know, though, it's like Dr- Dr- it's right up my alley. I want to say it's Driel's return with the Horn of Evil. Uh, that is another good episode. Don't sell that one too short. Well, no, but, no, 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 no. I'm not selling it short. But when they had to sing the song, yeah. that's the part where even as a kid, I, I think I was five, and my mom tape recorded <laughs> the episode so I could listen to it while I was playing later that day as part right. of, like, it was summer vacation. I had to have something to do. So she tape recorded it at least. I was listening to it. And when that part came up, I just looked at my mother, and she goes, well, that was the episode that was on this morning. I go, 
This is He-Man. Why are they doing this to me? <laughs> no. Anyway, we'll so, get, we will get into that. We'll get there. We'll get because I know yeah. I know um, we'll uh, we'll talk about that one. Yep. Yep. But uh, back to this one. Uh, yeah. So Evil Link convinces these villagers to to unleash the creeping Horik, and you can see even now, like they're they're with her, but they're still kind of that. Uh, the animation in this in this part, especially, is very dark, is very good. You can see all mm-hmm. the emotions on these guys' faces. We're like, we're angry. We need to do something. She's giving us a path to follow. Let's do it. But at the same time, they're kind of like, but wait, is this like what? And Evil Lynn, it's very good writing. As in, she like presses them. She doesn't give them a chance to think about it. She gets them all riled up, and she's like, mm-hmm. "What can we do?" And the old guy's like, "Well, there's the creeping horror." She's like, "Yes, let's do that. Let's go now." And and kind of yep. pushes them along, not giving them enough time to process all their emotions. So, evil Lynn here, like this is evil Lynn. She is yeah. conniving. She is sneaky. She's very smart because she knows how to read people. And how to turn people on themselves, and that's that. This is the evil, and I love. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like her necessarily as, and I don't think she ever really was as like just a Skeletor minion. You know, she she feels very independent in this episode, and they're just working together towards this common goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we get we get back to uh, He Man's adventure who has no idea any of this is going on. That's the other thing I love. They're not in constant contact. You know, yeah. he's not being led along. He's still thinking the only problem is that Skeletor's got the spellstone and he's got to stop him. Yeah. Um, and they get to the temple. It's a uh, Skeletor, Trapjaw. I want to say someone else was there. I know there was, he had all his hover knights. The hu- yeah, the hover bots are there. Yeah. An, an endless army of them seemingly. And yeah. I, I love these guys. Uh, I don't. I, I never questioned them. I never said Skeletor shouldn't have technology. As a kid, I loved them. As an adult, I love them. They're neat little machines, deadly looking machines that give He Man a chance to really bust loose and able to mm-hmm. do some of the stuff he can't do. He can get his aggression out, like he can't yeah. on Trapjaw <laughs> and Beastman and everybody else. But, uh, but yeah, it leads into one of the longer action sequences of the series. And it's not a traditional fight. A lot of it is that, you know, smashing hover robots into into walls and stuff. And, you know, Battle Cat leaps up with one and smashes him on the ground. Yeah. But there's also a lot of really good stuff in this sequence. You get, you know, you got everyone playing their strengths. Stratos is, is flying, trying to evade one that's flying. And he flies into a volcano, to you know, mm-hmm. and the robot gets shot out. It's fun. I enjoyed it. Even as a, an adult, I enjoyed it last night. Sure. Yeah, I I actually uh, – pretty much – I'm a sucker. Any single time that you have the He-Man theme song kick in mm-hmm. for an action sequence, whether or not I'm looking at the choreography in the now frame of mind and going, okay, that's how they beat this. Or what you – know, like the, the one moment for me that was a little like uh, – was was the battle cat with the hover robot because i'm like battle cat's supposed to be this you know like powerful beast Mm -hmm. and here's the hover bot holding his front paws and like basically doing this with him i was like 
Oh, Battle Cat, come on, man. You know, it's, like, it's, you could, it's mechanical piston, Sean. Uh, well, I Let's don't go see you, you battle against machines. If I did, I'm here. not supposed to be Battle Cat. That's the difference. <laughs> and you're not. I mean, I'm not even He-Man, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm just bald man that looked like Tom Hanks at one point in his life, apparently, <laughs> from what today, uh, what I posted today. But, but um, I don't know. That one just kind of bugged me because it did feel like one yeah. – Doing that to him undermined his power, and I. The first thing I did was, oh, this is 2000 Xing. I'm right here because <laughs> it's like Battlecat doesn't get knocked out hardly ever on this series. No. He's not. He's never down for the count the way they do it, do it in 2000 X. But for me, that just it's like okay, the fact that he jumped up in the air, and landed on it. Okay, that yeah. was a cool way to end it. That was a nice. But, uh, I was just like, come on, man. You can just like headbutt the thing and it should let yeah. you go at least or something. You got horns on that uh, that helmet. You yeah. can do something with it. But, you know, I don't know. I, a nitpick. That's you all do. there is to no. it. No, but yeah, I, I get your points. But I just – I felt it was one of the better action sequences. And no. later, and later yeah. you do see – I liked it. The, I like the second one on Battle Cat better, which I think is after we come back to it. But – uh, he comes up and Battle Cat just like swipes with his claws and like cuts clean through him. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, there, that's that what better? I'm talking that, about. That's, that's your more Cat? like it. That's the okay. Battle Cat I could get behind. Battle that Cat. Was, that 2020. was actually <laughs> neat animation too because as the, as the hover robot split apart, you could actually see like they animated like all these little gears and the gears yeah. inside mm-hmm. him. Like, I don't care what people say, filmation animation is glorious. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it. And you can't – it's just it's a cell system, which they had to use to keep costs down, to keep mm-hmm. all the animation in the United States. Lou was big on that. He was not going to farm it overseas. Um, so they had to use the stock system, which I understand. And that's why – and that's why you can't binge watch Filmation because when you watch all these episodes back to back to back, you see uh, – you're like, oh, I just saw that, that run yeah. or I just yeah. saw that – Fight even because they used a lot of the fights, um, so that that's what makes filmation hard to binge watch for me because I start picking up all that and then I turn into Sean and just nitpick everything. <laughs> um, hey, I I still got that whimsy from when I was a kid. It's unfortunately yeah. buried a little bit under the level of you know we're in this day and age and all. That. And, and I mean honestly though, like my my nitpicks aside, it actually is a cool battle scene for the fact that. Uh, this is one of those episodes where it, I'm not a huge Stratos guy by any stretch of the imagination, but they managed to make him a really viable member of the team he man has to put together to do this journey and the adventure. Right. And, you know, I, I really dug that he's getting his due in this episode. And he, he's kind of like a silent partner. He doesn't say a huge amount of stuff, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's like when you get these characters that they don't use every episode and you bring them along for the adventure it usually has a nice you know mix up kind of a feel to it that it makes me enjoy so oh absolutely and you got the feeling here once again this is it's interesting that we're covering like all early stuff in the iterations especially with the comic we'll discuss we'll discuss in episode two and a half um you got the feeling here again like this is not the superman level he-man that you know, film the filmation would get there. He's not the guy doing twister. You know, unraveling the uh, cyclone. Yeah, and yeah. stuff. Like, you know, lifting mountains. You really feel like he needs Stratos, Ram Man, and Battle Cat here. Like mm-hmm. he would have been overwhelmed, which I like. He can mm-hmm. be the most powerful man in the universe, but he he can't do it on his own. If he could do it on his own, 
we wouldn't need any of the other masters. There'd be no point to them. So exactly, I, I like this. You felt like he needed everybody there. And here again, the way this is is storyboarded and the way it's shot. So you got the bat. You got like the first half of the battle, and then we cut to the royal palace in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Evelyn there, and this is where she unleashes the 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 creeping Horak on the palace. I but like just, this part. <laughs> but just really quick here, I love just to finish this thought. Then we'll go into the Evelyn part, and we'll get back to this. But I love how it's like you're in the battle. It's the He Man theme and everything. And then you just cut to the palace, and it's a whole different theme. It's a whole different feel. Yeah. Uh, That's what I'm saying about the way this episode is paced out. And then when this scene's done, you jump right back to battle, and it's Mm -hmm. like the He-Man theme kicks right back. Yeah. It's like the basically it gives you the feeling that, like, this battle's been going on this whole time, Mm -hmm. um, and you just didn't see all of it. But just that juxtaposition of, like, of a battle palace with its difficulties and then back to the battle and the different themes cutting in and out it just it gets you pumped and it it, i don't know it really worked for me that's all i'm saying well it's like you said this is one of those episodes where if you weren't watching it but you could hear it in the background you would know what's happening based on that kind of stuff which is great the other thing too um i like how they they plan that out between the two storylines because the typical thing would be, okay, well, if He-Man was at the palace, he's probably going to punch the thing really hard, and that's the end of it. You know, I mean, not to be that guy, but I'm just saying, right. like, there's almost, like, it's it's almost, there's a safety level to him being there that that is gone. Yep. And that's what I love about this so much with the, the palace portion of the story, where they're relying on their wits. They're relying on, you know, just survival mode trying to do this. And, uh, but like what you said, when, when they introduce, here's the creeping Horak finally, that is a cool moment because we talked about a little while ago where the, the people are kind of, we need to do something, but we don't know what, and we don't know if we're going to go to that level. We don't know if we're there yet for how angry we are, but then the, the, the match that lights the powder keg is Evelyn in person. And I love that part. I love how that right. turn of events happens and the people all have that like, <gasps> you know, and it's like she she got to the point of like, yeah, I'm going to be the one doing this. And she takes away the uh, the the old the woman persona, yep. the Xenia persona. Mm-hmm. And boom, here we have Evelyn in front of that crowd. And she just tosses it. It's like. That for me was like the ultimate middle finger yeah. in a filmation episode where she she's like, I hate you. I want to kill you. And she right. throws something at them that they can't fight with the technology they have. Well, and, and the villagers did refuse there at the end. Yes. Right? When it yeah. came time to do it, they, she got them all riled up. She got them to go get the Horak for her. She got them to the palace. But, and once again, very good writing. They're standing there and they're like, Wait a minute. This is they come to their senses. Yeah. They they go, this is nuts. This is, what are we doing here? This is our royal family. They've been good to us. It's been a good mm-hmm. reign. Um you know, and and I like that they didn't make the crowd do anything where they couldn't come back from. Like they didn't they went all the way up to the edge, but at the end yep. of the day, they are still good people and they remembered themselves. So, once mm-hmm. again, very, and you don't pick up on 
I mean, you, you know what's happening as a kid, but you don't pick up on the subtleties and the whole range of emotions as a kid. But watching as an mm-hmm. adult, you can appreciate the whole story. Agreed. And, and then, yeah, Evelyn just like, and she realizes that she lost him too. Once yeah. Evelyn's smart and cunning, she knows. She's like, ah, that's it. Okay, come here. You know, yeah, but I, I just love how, boom, appearance is back to Evil Lynn. And I love how they're like, <gasps> you know, it's like, yeah, she's been playing us the whole time. And I like that they gave her what she wanted. Mm-hmm. And she just throws it. And it's it's just I, out of most of the the villainous things that I've seen in Filmation, I think that might be top three for me of like, that was evil. Like, cause she knew what that thing was going to do to them compared right. to like some of the other stuff later on that filmation does. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah, there, there's no way coming back from that. Evil Lynn really is living up to her name. So, yeah. And you got to figure like this and also just the plan of evil Lynn and Skeletor, like this was their plan all along. And they knew, I mean, they, they, they charge out perfectly. You get that. Once again, we always say filmation hit the ground running you really feel that, like, He-Man and everybody have been fighting against these forces of evil for a while at this point. And they yeah. both sides really know each other because they knew... Because Skeletor, you know, backtrack a little bit, Skeletor was waiting for He-Man at, at the temple. And that's mm-hmm. part of their plan. They're like, we'll do this, He-Man will come here, and Evelyn will go do all that she does, and he'll leave the palace mostly undefended, you know, nothing they can't handle, the other heroic warriors and the king and queen, but... Evelyn can handle that because she's going to get the Horak and yeah, and just the whole plan comes and they know like the heroes are going to do these exact things. These they're heroes. It's what they do, and it's almost I guess it's playing into the trope of the hero, but like it just uh, I don't uh, like the villain knowing exactly how the hero will react to situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the hero knowing I have to do this. Yeah. You know, not necessarily in this episode, but there are episodes in comics and whatnot where He-Man's like, I know Skeletor is going to be expecting me, or even in the team-ups, he's like, I know he's going to double-cross me, mm-hmm. but I got to do it. It's it, Yeah. And, and he does. They play right into their hands. Anybody who says, oh, Filmations, they never let Skeletor do anything. He never wins. Skeletor's winning this whole episode. Yeah. You know? And... and- he gets to rub He-Man's face in it even at one point, which I love that sequence. <laughs> and he's happy about it. He's he's gloating. He's menacing. Like I said, everybody's ran to perfection this episode. So Skeletor has accomplished all his goals. He got the control of Spellstone. He got He-Man to come far away from the palace to the temple. Evelyn got the Horak. Evelyn unleashed the Horak. Yeah. And then, you know, we cut back to the temple here where the fight's still going on. They finish that up. Uh, He-Man's got Skeletor pinned down, and that's when finally Skeletor goes, hey, you don't know everything that's going on. And he yeah. does that that image of yep. them of the, the royal family running from the creeping Horak, trying to get deeper into the palace, because basically mm-hmm. the Horak covers the, the perimeter right away, and then mm-hmm. just closes in. Yep. Um, and that's enough to, to stop He-Man and get him off guard, and then they end up falling for Skeletor's trap, so... Really good. Those three scenes, back to back to back, amazing. Everyone's written yeah. right. The heroes are doing what they're doing, and the villains are full, taking full advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there's a couple things in this that, for me, were like little cutesy moments, mm-hmm. though. And, and I'm just going to point them out real quick. 
The first is we get to hear John Irwin say robot, which I loved because that's like I said, it's pure filmation to me. The fact that we get, you know, him, you get, you get him saying robot. Okay. I'm happy. Smiled. Mm -hmm. And then there's something to me about when, when he sees the moment of them all running from the Horak Mm -hmm. and he sees Tila first and everybody else after that, but he always just goes, Tila. And it's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> it's like, it, you know, it's like, so, so your investment is where he <laughs> is. You know? <laughs> so I, I can't help it. Those little two yeah. things were, it's like, I had to at least make a little comment, but yeah, I, I like that. And, and the thing too is it's, uh, it's like, it reminds me a little bit of, um, the diamond ray of disappearance episode. And I, I'm not trying to get too deep into this. But, you know, it's like you got a He-Man where he is is literally about to lose everything that matters to him mm-hmm. if he doesn't kick into action. Right. And in any situation where the hero is in that position, it's always fun to see what happens after that for me. Because, you know, like if he lost his mom, if he lost his dad, and then on top of that, Duncan and Tila, it's like – and Orko, it's like, you know, you're you're cutting out how much a major part of the cast. So it's like – Race Against Time, and his, you know, it's truly a race against time at this point because of the Horak. So, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan when they when they put the odds against them like this. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah, I love it too. Uh, those are the best episodes when somebody, you know, when the hero's got odds that are too great even for him, you know, mm-hmm. making him the underdog, and it, it is in this episode because here. Right after he he gets He-Man to stop, he pulls the old trap door. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, say, uh, yeah, trap doors are corny, hokey, whatever. How'd everyone get on the same square? Uh, <laughs> Strato- That's like, how did Stratos, yeah, like, yeah. yeah <laughs> couldn't Stratos have just, uh, just jumped, you know, flew up? Blah, blah, blah. It's a kid's cartoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, that's just... Um, it's it's so they get they get in the trapdoor they get thrown into this cavern. Um, Skeletor taunts He Man again, saying, "There's lots of ways here, but there's only one way out." And then he turns on with a big comical uh, water valve. He turns on water, and the cavern below starts flooding. <laughs> which which I I I kind of say I did like the Skeletor. Flooding the cavern. Sorry. Yeah, I did like uh, Skeletor flooding the cavern because the, the yes, you can say why didn't Stratos fly up when the trapdoor was first open, but that gives the excuse as to why the heroes can't just stand there and work on the trapdoor or try and bust back mm-hmm. through like we've seen he-man do many times and i'm sure he's capable of you know he's done it in the freight zone he's uh, you know he busts through a lot of things so it gives mm-hmm. them the reason to have to move on and at that point then it's not just a simple matter of well we have to bust back up because we don't know where we are we could be there could be lava above us now you know mm-hmm. so they're forced to try and find the way out <laughs> and skeletor is so evil he gives He-Man the hope 
he's like, okay, there's a lot of ways, He-Man, but there's only one way out. And heroes take off running from the water. And Skeletor tells Trapjaw, he goes, I'm paraphrasing, um, but he goes, basically, I was lying. There's no way out of there. I've, I've been <laughs> down there. I've looked. There's no way out. You have a trap down there for all week. <laughs> yeah, it's but I mean, but just how how evil he is because if I mean, even if he had told, I think in in the mind in the writer's mind, if he had told He Man there was no way out, then He Man would have started you know trying to bust his way out right away. Yeah. Whereas He Man's like, okay, there's a way out. Let's go. Let's try and outrun this 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 water that's cascading down, and let's find mm-hmm. the way out instead. Of just you know, it's it's evil. I, I don't yeah. care. It's evil. Um, so yeah, so that, that whole sequence there is well done, well written. Skeletor is, is is pure evil. Mm -hmm. I like him that way, to be honest. And it's like the, the Skeletor, I think most people have in their heads with filmation is more like, you know, going into the further episodes, but you know, like this, this Skeletor here, especially, um, he's, he's definitely somebody where he's not a joke. And he's, he's not, it's like, he has a plan. He will accomplish this plan. And that's that version of Skeletor here. And I, that's more my version of Skeletor than anything they do later on, where there is a bit of a comedic bent to something, you know, like they might put him in a, like, for instance, the meme where he runs through the portal, which I know it's not technically Skeletor. He's the good version, but he runs through the portal that his arm comes out and he punches it behind him, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, that's the stuff yeah. that makes me cringe versus this. Yeah. You know, this is the good stuff. No, this is this is very well written. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you cut back to the palace after that, and and you really feel the fear of the of the royal family that mm-hmm. they are gonna. And this thing is, this thing freaked me out as a kid. The creeping horak. Yeah, like you said, the sound effect that. You do a much better <laughs> version of that than I do. Um, <laughs> No, the sound it's making is just like these weird black, not even really tentacles, although there is a little, and it tries to grab Orko at one point. Yep. But it's more just like an unformed mass that's just slowly smothering it. And, you know, you get that shot of the palace a little bit later where it's like covering like all of the architecture. Mm hmm. Really well done. Um, It it, it even reminded me um, uh, The Adventures of Little Nemo. The movie where that that the darkness or whatever comes out. I don't know if you've seen the movie or if I'm just. I haven't seen that. Okay, one, never but, mind. Uh, uh, well, but there's it, a scene it, in it where the darkness comes out. And it's like this kind of oozy black mass that like okay. captures the king. But even seeing mm-hmm. that years later, it really reminded me of the creeping Horak. Like this is this nameless blob that's just gonna like suffocate everything in its path. And you gotta. Mm-hmm. And when you start thinking about it as an adult, as a kid, you're just following, like, oh, my God, man, arms, Tila, all them. But you start thinking about it as an adult, you're like, well, what about all, all the cooks and the servants and the, yeah. you know, they're all, I mean, you got to be led to believe that they were all able to outrun it long enough for He-Man to save the day, too, but. I don't know about Chef Allen. Well, we've seen we see him after, so he's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. I just mean like outrunning it. I, oh, I yeah. imagine he's hiding somewhere, but probably not outrunning right. it because that guy. Like, I, I feel like I'm out of shape with that guy, you know? I mean, just saying. No, but, but, like, the thing about um, the thing about the Creeping Horak to me is it, it's like 
there there are villains and there are creatures where you know you can't bargain with it you can't do anything other than run Mm -hmm. and you know like it's this unstoppable force and the whole premise of it is creepy enough as it is and then to have it be this black mask that's just following them and making them all run for it and stuff like that. Like it's basically, it's the abyss to me, yeah. you know, it's like, this is nothingness and you're about to die and all you're seeing is nothingness. And it's like, as an adult watching this one, it's way creepier than it would have been for me as a kid. Cause I couldn't have comp- uh, There's no comprehending how that is. Right. And like you said, as you got older and stuff, it's like, yeah, this like, uh, Tila tries using fire on it. And she almost get pulled into it, you know, and Orko's Orko's about to get pulled into it because it's catching up to him at points. And mm. and it's like, you know, it, pretty much I, I love Teal as a warrior. I like Man at Arms as a, as a warrior inventor. Mm. But I like that he's even like, we can't do anything about this. Get out of here, you know. Yeah, he uses it, his, his laser blaster and it does nothing. Yep, yep. And then finally, it's just the titanium uh, door yep, yep. that manages to buy them some time, but that's about it. Yeah, it's like, whew. yeah, and we're we're cutting back and forth this whole time. I know we're we're talking a bit about the chase, but but just know when you're watching the episode, like it keeps cutting back and forth between mm-hmm. He Man and everybody in, in the royal palace. Um, and here, like I said earlier, we do get a few Orco moments, but mm-hmm. for me, this was so intentional because. Like you said, kids watching this, this has to be intense. I know it was for me. And so Orko is serving his purpose at being the comedic, as trying to cut the tension a little bit for the kids who are, to take their minds off for a minute, the the possible demise of their favorite characters. And so I, mm-hmm. no, I did not care for the fly, Orko fly, and he's sitting there flapping his arms. Yeah. But <laughs> I get why it's there. It They yeah. need that. Yeah, because this episode, the more I think about it, you have the opening bit at the palace that we talked about, and that's pretty much it. The levity's out the window through a lot of right. this. Like, He-Man doesn't even make a whole lot of jokes when they're out there nope. having their fight. It's it's full-on. He-Man's just in battle mode this episode. Mm-hmm. They, even Ram-Man. He, Ram-Man's usually a comic, comedy relief guy. And he doesn't even have a whole lot to say in this one to make it like he, he was the saving grace in the house of Shakoti, where it's like he kept messing her name up at least right. to give a little bit of something for the kids here. It's like, no, no, no kids. <laughs> it's about death. It's about suffocation. It's mm-hmm. about vengeance. And you're going to like it. Simple as that. Right. <laughs> it's about, about people being at their lowest point and being taken advantage of. I mean, these, yes. For all the people who like to knock on filmation, this watch this episode, dudes. It's it's got so many adult themes in it, and it's still enjoyable for kids. I would have no mm-hmm. problem, and I know my kids have seen this episode because I've shown it to them when they've asked to watch it or watch He Man because I try I try and show them the episodes first that stick with me from childhood, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. Sure. In every case, and this is how you do it. This is how you create something that adults can enjoy. Because me and Sean, we both watched it last night or this morning. We both enjoyed it. And yet you can still go and take it and show your kids it. And that's, mm-hmm. this is Masters to me. This, it's got, to me it does bridge that age gap. So I won't go any more off on that tangent. But, um, so you get back to, and we're cutting back to He-Man and everybody. And they're, you know, 
Heyman creates a trap door. He realizes the floor is hollow. And you get a little bit of that random man. He's like, oh, we could really use a trap door right now. And Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and even He-Man's, I kind of like it. They get, they get to the end there and, like, he starts hitting and he's just not making any progress. He's like, it's solid rock. And I took that not to mean that he couldn't break through it, but that it would take too long. Yeah, like, yeah, I did too. It's so, because he is, he is getting stuff off, but he's like, it's too solid. I'll be, we'll be drowned before uh, I can actually get through it. So, but luckily they realize the floor is hollow and he makes uh, a little door for the water to flow into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when uh, uh, the fire people realize they're down there and open the doors because they, there is a way down into that chamber from the outside for the fire people. You know they can open they can open the rock face there and get through there, so they open up for him. And uh, you do get a little bit of Ram Man here. He goes, uh, "Finally, someone's on our side." <laughs> and then it cuts to like them coming up out, and He Man and Ram sticking their heads up, and they see like the whole army of fire people yeah. there. And he's like, "Oops!" And, yeah, <laughs> and I believe that's where it cuts the commercial, which would have been awesome to see. Now, obviously, I watched it on VHS growing up, mm-hmm. but it would have been awesome to like have that be the cut to commercial. And you're like, because you get that shot of them, and you're like, who are these people? And then just yep. like, cut to commercial, and they they are. And I like how Filmation did this, and they did it a lot. They would create these unique or even evil looking creatures or people, and then not have them be actually evil, like. Mm-hmm. The fire people are a very imposing race, and in most yeah. series, those types of characters that look like that would be villains, you know. Mm-hmm. And the master, the toy line did it too. You know, they took Buzz off and they made him a hero. You know, they they where most lines a giant bee would be, uh, you know, evil. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like that. I, it, you know, but they've got their own their own things. They're supposed to guard the spellstone, and it's been taken, and so they assume that that He-Man and them took it because they're the ones coming out of the temple right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I do want to show off here really quick, a couple, uh, proto or not, pro, well, not prototypes, but let's see if my camera can pick that up. Some concept drawings of the fire people. Okay. Um, that's actually, no, that's actually, ah, there we go. That one's actually, uh, King Helios, his first okay. thing. Very much more humanoid looking. Uh I'm glad they went with what they did. Yeah, I uh, the the design of them like the the one thing, well, I've said many things positive about filmation and and one more thing I'm going to add to that list on this episode is there is an elegance to that design. That it, it just for me I'm one of those people where if you can't show me your face, I automatically assume you have ill intention. Yeah. And that's just based on, you know, like, okay, burglaries or, you know, in movies you have, I mean, Batman, if you think of Batman with the mask on, he doesn't want to reveal himself and he's out there hurting villains or whatever. But you, if you ran into Batman, you wouldn't know who, if he's good or bad in our reality. And Sean is very prejudiced. Just I apparently, but see, no face. I don't like him. No face. I don't like No, No, like (laughs) there, there is something for me and, and my wife can testify to this. She had a whole lot of, uh, ceramic masks when we first met 
And I was creeped out sleeping in her room when we met because I'm looking around and masks to me are the ultimate thing of hiding somebody's intentions. Like um, Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Sr., mm-hmm. the, the the silent film actor, sure. Man of a Thousand Faces, they asked him, what is the thing that scares you the most? And he said, if I hear somebody knocking on my door at three in the morning and I go down to answer it and there's a clown standing there. Sure. Why would that scare you? He said, because you don't know what the intention is behind the makeup that they have on. So it's like anything hiding your real face gives me the ultimate creeps. It's not that I don't trust you. It's the <laughs> idea of I can't read anything on your face to let me know mm-hmm. what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And in this case, that would be my thing, too. I'd be like, Oh crap, you know, like these yeah. things don't have a face. They're just here's eyes and it's the form, you know. Yeah. But um and translucent. They did and, and tra- translucent it would be on enti- my shelf. <laughs> yeah, you can see the entire background behind them. Like Yes. Yeah. They're not even like flames like where it's like, you know, little burst like human torch. Yeah. But you can actually mm-hmm. see through these guys and they it's animated very well. It's it's like I said, elegant. It's gorgeous looking. And that's I, those effects on filmation for me. They still stand the test of time, amazingly. Um, so you know, seeing them, yeah, the first thought in my head, like Randman, I'd be like, "Oh crap!" Now we yep. have another battle to go through. And I like how this whole sequence plays out here because they do. They do. But I like that when they start the battle, it's not the typical filmation version of He-Man. Like I'm going to turn these guys to be my friend in the later on, but there is this, he basically says to them, we don't want to hurt them because we are on their side. Right. So, you know, he's like telling them, don't go after them, just defend yourself. And hopefully they'll understand that we're here on, we're here to go after what they want back, you know? And I like that they give them a bit of a run for their money mm-hmm. here. And, and they're kind of a force to be reckoned with. And, yeah, like you said, I, I wish they would have appeared again because this is a freaking cool concept. It is. They look awesome. And like you said earlier in the episode, they've got the little, the little cat with the horns and they've got yeah. the pterodactyl. <laughs> you got to figure a little bit of them get, giving the master or the heroic warriors a run for their money is because they're trying not to hurt them. But they are yeah. – they are – they are trying to incapacitate them or like mm-hmm. with He-Man and uh, I don't, I don't think he was named in the episode, but it is Helios is the leader. Okay. Um, he is trying to, he's trying to disarm him. Basically Helios mm-hmm. is trying to hurt He-Man. He, He-Man's just trying to disarm him and he does disarm him with his sword. But before that you got battle cat versus that, that flame cat um, yep. in a nice little bit. Once again, it's not terribly long, but it's nice. It's fun. You're enjoying it. It's it's enough to show what they can do. Mm-hmm. And I think my favorite one out of all of them when they found out what can happen with Stratos, because they're just like, "What can you do?" And then it, and then the pterodactyl starts shooting flames yeah. out of its mouth. Like, I'm sorry, I asked. Yeah, it's like that. That kind of humor to this day, I would be thrilled with in a Masters live action movie because. It's it's one of those moments that if I was in that battle, I'd probably say the same thing verbatim. Like, you know, what do you do? Oh crap! Or something, yeah. you know, like it, it's like I, uh, instead of him saying that because I'm sure they wouldn't have allowed them no. to say that in the '80s and all that. But you know, sorry, I asked. You yeah. know, I, I love I, just that whole delivery was great. 
No, yeah, it's 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 a great little scene, and it sets up uh, He-Man disarming Helios and knocking his sword towards one of the lava pits that's all over the place, and, and Helios trying to recover it, and this brings our little friend back. The monster. Yep. I, have not, I should have looked up a name for him. I'm sure he has one. But this this lava snake guy, he, he pops mm-hmm. back up, and he grabs Helios, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. I couldn't chow down on the track track earlier, so let me eat him. Yeah. And it just it felt like a very natural way. Once again, it, it's rushed. It would have been nicer to have. I mean, it's not rushed, it's, but it's a 21-minute episode, so we got to get moving along here. It would have been nice to have He-Man earn their trust a little bit better. But this is a nice, quick way to go from a battle uh, to them trusting He-Man. Yeah. Um, and obviously, He-Man saves Helios when he's about to get eaten. And, and so then Helios realizes, you know, if you guys were evil, you wouldn't have saved me. You would have let him mm-hmm. eat me. Um, the good old Filmation Boulder trick. Yeah. That's, that was the, the other one. It's like, robot. Filmation Boulder trick. <laughs> we got those right now. Which actually, and, and quoting James Etock here, thank you, James, for this wealth of information. Uh, he was actually supposed to use, um, he was supposed to grab a staff from one of the fire people and do the uh, prop the mouth open. Uh huh. Which also would have been, I mean, we've seen that many times as well. But we've also seen the staff get broken and then the the thing yeah. is still a, a that's why they went with what they did, because there's no way around that for a while yeah. for the monster. And, and it, I like that. It, it knocks worked. him out as well. It knocks him down into you know he's like, Oh man, yeah. this I just got a boulder in the face. I'm going home and he just sinks back <laughs> down the lobby. He's like, I'm not I'm not even gonna try and eat anymore. I wonder if drive through is open. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, it, the, the monster goes away. He man's jerks. Like all I want is a snack. Come on. There, there you go. If uh, I know it got cut from the last episode, but if you're gonna do, if you ever, if you ever get around to doing doing different fan art for, well, I, I don't say fan art, uh, real art because you are quite the accomplished artist. If you ever get around doing art for these different reviews. Um, that's the one for this episode. I want him like in his car, like at the drive-through. Like, <laughs> Fine, I'll just order, give me a Big that's Mac. I, you know, that's what I get for doing the throw my head back laugh. Now all the all of me is discombobulated. There we go. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, no, I need, I need, I need two cheeseburgers and fries. My wife's hungry, and I haven't eaten all day. You know? <laughs> Can you can you Titus size that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, supersize it and then supersize it again. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a great it, it's a great little sequence. You get the distrust. Mm-hmm. You get the. I mean, there's a lot of adult themes and emotions in this episode, and still fun for kids. I keep coming back to it because that's what I want to show here. Like this stuff is not the light and fluffy. Everyone singing songs all episode. And Skeletor nope. is just over there defeating himself. They These are some real challenges, and He-Man and everyone else really had to rise up here. Um, and, you know, He-Man promises them. He's like, I'm going to find the Spellstone once Helios, you know, accepts them, and they, they let them go. And actually, there's another deleted scene um, where uh, King Helios helped them because he helped them... Uh, the attack track was supposed to get like more damaged when it got bitten by the snake thing. And uh, King Helios was going to help his people help them repair it quickly so that they could get back to the palace. Oh, that okay. Was, that was cut for time constraints. 
I could see why, but that would have been a cool way to show like, you know, the bond then between the two factions. Yep. So, and so then we get, and I think this is the point where we get back to palace and this is when, uh, the Royal family gets into that last door that you were talking about. Mm -hmm. They're like basically at the center of the palace at this time, uh, basically man at arms safe room. Look at this. Filmation was inventing stuff before. It was really a thing. Man at arms has a safe room. He does have a safe room. with With this, uh, what do you say, hydraulic door or something? something? Yeah, like a titanium hydraulic door yeah. or something, if I remember the and that's, fa- phrasing correctly. It's a nice little bit of animation effects. It like the whole door slams down. You hear the thud and the clinks, and like it's really just mm-hmm. like bolting them in. And then almost immediately, you see the thing start bending. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really get the power of this thing. And, and by this point, Skeletors joined Evil Lynn. And they're pretty much just staying outside, just waiting until they can put the Horak back in its box and, and claim the throne, you know? Yeah. They, they've pretty much won at this point, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and the villagers are still there. They're trying to figure out what they can do, but they're too afraid to act. And uh, Skeletor did bring the Spellstone along with him, which was nice of him, because now it's here for, for He-Man and company to save the day with. Otherwise, it's a two-parter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, honestly, at this point, they wouldn't have enough time. I mean, it's... That, that's true. <laughs> the whole episode is a race against time. It's the ticking clock even before He-Man realizes it is. But definitely mm-hmm. at this point, he's they're booking it back to the palace. Uh, and they do show up in the nick of time. And you have another action sequence. I won't call it fight sequences because it's, it's not much fighting. But it is an action no. sequence. Um, and once again here, I guess they're getting shorter and shorter, but we've already had, I've lost count at this point. I mean, at least three action sequences as far as so far, as far as scenes, it's probably more like five or six because that, that temple one was split up. Yeah. Cutting it back and forth. But yeah, there's, there's like three battles in this thing, Mm -hmm. um, which, which is awesome for a filmation cartoon. Um, and really watching it, if it, it runs by so quick, you don't feel like you're sitting there for even 20 minutes. Nope. Um, it's very well paced. But a He-Man in, shows up just in the nick of time. Uh, they do have a little bit here where I'm sure you caught it watching it. Slight uh, two halves of the Power Sword reference sneaking in I here. was going to bring that up, actually. And it, like... It actually made me sit up and go, wait a minute, yep. you know, <laughs> when I was watching, because I'm like, I think this might be the only time, and I, I could be completely wrong, because I know James E. Talk knows you know, infinitely more than I do about Filmation, but I think that might be the only time in Filmation that I recall of ever seeing Skeletor using a, a Power Sword-esque yep. sword to fight He-Man. It I've is. always remembered the Bone Sword, mm-hmm. so, it- and... That just shocked me. I'm like, holy crap, they actually went there for one episode. Yeah. They gave me that one episode. <laughs> and I don't think it, it wasn't even so much um, like in the script, it it wasn't the other half of the power sword. But I'm pretty confident in saying that the, the animation, they use that in the animation because in the early, early Bible that Filmation had, they were going to use the two halves concept. And so whoever mm-hmm. was animating was like, well, okay, Skeletor will have his power sword here because they're fighting with swords. Makes sense. So it wasn't written that way, but 
but it is i'm sure that's the reason it snuck in was because whoever the animator was was still thinking like skeletor has his own power sword yeah Mm-hmm. which is kind of neat to see i mean it's a quick disarm but it, it's interesting to see and the funny thing is as a kid I, I could remember the scene and everything but i couldn't someone brought up in in one of the early forums on the org like hey did you know skeletor has a power sword here i'm like no he doesn't he uses i'm sure at the time i was like he uses a bone sword or whatever yeah the same thing that's the sword i equated filmation with which i i love that design too it's a really neat design it is. And then I went back and watched the episode. I'm like, huh, my brain never even registered as a kid. But, of course, at that time as a kid, I didn't even know about the two halves of the power sword concept. Yeah. So. It's like the Mandela effect on you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, exactly. Something happened that you believed happened one way. But, yeah. But, yeah, so that was a neat little thing to see. Um, and then Evelyn uses the spell stone here and, and pretty conjures up a storm right there and sucks up all the heroic warriors mm-hmm. and Stratos tries to fly out, but it's too powerful even for him. And here again, no one's power levels are obscene. All the yeah. heroic warriors, they're all powerful, but they're all so close on the spectrum and the evil warriors. that it's a very evenly matched, uh, good versus evil. And they can't mm-hmm. even get out of it. Here again, He-Man is not the sole champion because if it weren't, and as we see, if it weren't for the villagers, Skeletor and Evelyn still win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got you got uh, Old Zack and Jamar and Bran, and uh, Jamar finally decides to to act. He knows that what what they've done so far is wrong, and they didn't actually, you know. They didn't start the Horak, but they enabled Evil into, so mm-hmm. they're feeling guilty. They need to do something, and Jamar actually just goes up and just chokeholds Evil in. <laughs> I like that. And too. old Zack grabs the spellstone, and that that's yep. enough to stop the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I really like that. I like that they didn't great emotion written, great animation. They didn't push the villagers too far, not be redeemable, and they did redeem themselves in that when it came time to act. Um, mm-hmm. they did, and I'll get a little more onto that at the end here. Uh, but we'll we'll move on for the moment. Um, and then, but then it's not over yet. All these nope. points where you think like it's over, it's not, because then Skeletor is like, well, you know what? I'll just make the spellstone head back to its temple, and and again, the race against time. It's gonna be too late, he man. If it gets back to the temple, you're not gonna have time to retrieve it. So he casts a yeah. spell. And the spellstone goes flying. In this sequence, as a kid, and watching it again, it gets your heart racing. Like, the, yeah, like because even the He-Man theme doesn't kick in right away. No, and when I was watching it, I actually was annoyed because I'm like, "Where's the song? The right. song?" And then, and then, yeah, because once he starts running, and then and, it, and cuts, he's, it cuts it, well, to the people. In the palace after he starts running, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and it, it, they have him at like the jog. Yep. And he's like, I gotta catch up to it, you right. know. And then they catch, and then and then you have your feats of Hercules yep. moment where now He Man's running so fast he's bent over. Yep. And <laughs> running right into it head first. You yeah. Know? But yeah, I, I love that it got your heart raised because you'd have he, the spellstone takes off. He Man's running after. He's not really gaining any ground on it. It nope. cuts to the palace, inside the palace. Those tentacles are like arm's length from everybody. Mm-hmm. And then it goes back to He-Man, and you're right. He's just like, I've got to get it. And he just kicks it up another notch. 
And mm-hmm. then that He-Man theme kicks yes. in. Yes. Yes, just, please. It gives you all of the feels. It makes you, it puts hair on your chest. Mm-hmm. It allows you to run 20 times faster. And as he grabbed that, it was just like that relief I felt as a kid. I can still remember watching this scene as a kid to this day. I was mesmerized by the screen. Because <laughs> um, there's just that, there's that doubt for a minute there. You know, as a kid, your brain knows that He-Man's going to win, but it also can't quite process in that moment. Like, you're still going like, this may be it. This yeah. may be the moment He-Man loses, as he's been mm-hmm. losing the whole episode. They were, I mean, the Heroic Warriors were the underdogs this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Nothing's gone their way. But He-Man kicks that in. He grabs a spellstone in the nick of time and just hurls it back at the palace. And and as that hits and the explosion and Skeletor and Evelyn realizing they're defeated, that whole sequence, go back, pick up the episode and just watch that last sequence because it, it, it's perfect. Excuse me. Um, and yeah, so then the, the spell stone after it hits, it, 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 it knocks the Horak back into its, its enchantment or whatever. And the spell stone goes back to the fire people uh skeletor takes that moment to do his escape and then we've got the, the ending wrap up at the palace mm-hmm. so so the um one one little other note that i just remembered is when the villagers turn turn the other way and he-man has them with him and they they get yeah. the spell stone away and all that stuff and this is just me as I've gotten older. So you take this as a grain of salt with a grain of salt, whatever you want to do. But there's always that moment where he man does the whole, you know, powers don't mean anything compared to bravery and all that. And he says it to, um, uh, I'm sorry, his name again, J Jamar. Yeah. And, and he says that, and there's, there's a part of me that's like, out of all the characters on this show, He-Man should not be the person to deliver that message because he has powers every episode to accomplish great feats. Yeah. And I know that's nitpicking, but even as a kid, there was that part of me, like, they would talk about um, the easy way on the one uh, moral yeah. at the end, where I think it was the Diamond Ray of Discipline. Don't, don't let anybody sell you on an easy way. Doing, doing the right thing is the best way. And it, it's like, as a kid, I was like, you raise a sword and you get yeah. powers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, that's just me. That's just me. And I know filmation meant well with that message, but yeah. every now and then I'm like, out of all the characters, maybe letting Tila say it <laughs> would be yeah. a better option or something. Yeah. I, I, I get where you're coming from, but to me it's, 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 that's why he man needs to be the one to deliver it. It's, it's him thinking them and it's him saying, look, even with all my powers, like the day was lost. If yeah, it wasn't for true. you, you know, it's 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 a Superman, you know, thanking the kid for you know helping him out. It's you know whatever. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's showing, hey, look, even with all my powers, I still needed you. Yeah. So anybody yeah. who tells okay. you you're not good enough, you are. Like it doesn't take just superpowers. You have to be brave, and you got to fight your own fear right. and so, to stand up to stuff. And that's yeah. what I was going to say. I get into it in a minute because as we wrap up and we get to the moral, it's like to me, there's your moral of the episode. Like doing, mm-hmm. I figured it'd be doing the right thing at the right time, or not, or even tying back into the villagers. You know, don't let don't let people persuade you to do something you're not comfortable with, or something that you'd 
you feel goes against your beliefs. Like there's a lot of morals built right into the story. And I did, here's my nitpick. I did find it odd <laughs> that when we got to the moral, it was um, oh, man arms talking about how Orko's magic backfires and don't pull pranks on people. Like, yeah, you had so yeah. many morals built into the story already. You can do do the right thing no matter what other people are doing. You've got you don't need superpowers. Just be brave and face your fears. You, I mean, there's so much they could have pulled, and they go for a prank one. It's like, yeah, that was, uh, and I I didn't remember that until I rewatched it last night because I don't I don't remember most of the morals specifically, you know, attached to episodes. But watching it, I figured that those were the themes that they'd be tying into in the moral and it wasn't. And, and I, like we, we've, we've talked about it before, but house of Shakoti, even that one's another one where the moral yeah. to me was a little like, this is what we're taking out of this. Don't go into dark places. Right. Like, no, we, we can't talk about using, like you said, the, the using your bravery in a moment where you don't think you can be brave to do something, but don't sell yourself short. You know, it, you can you can be brave and do something even if you don't have powers like in this one, and it, it's it's yeah this one when yeah. when I when I saw the moral I actually forgot what the moral was until you reminded me but I was like why is man at arms talking about this right. number one with everything that happened but yeah the orcos and tricks backfires like that's the least of your problems right. of this episode and you so. and you do get that little bit at the end there with orco and and trying to do the rainbow and he makes himself wa- you know water on him which once mm-hmm. again it's this has been such a heavy episode. If, even as a kid, like you need that little relief at the end that, okay, everything's good. Now we're back at the palace, you know, everyone's back to their routine. Um, mm-hmm. good save the day. And, and Orko is, is the prank, the, not the prankster, but the adorable little magician. Um, yep. So, yeah, so that's the episode. But I, I, like I said, it's one that I think holds up the test of time. Uh, it's one to, to watch or to show to anybody who says that Filmation doesn't hold up or Filmation doesn't know how to write action. Um, you're not going to get a lot of fighty-fighty. Um, <laughs> but you get – it's a good action adventure. It's a quest story. It's a race against time. It's got a wonderful plot uh, by Skeletor and Evil Lynn. Uh, there's a couple missteps in my opinion, but, uh, I mean, I'd go I'd go 9 out of 10 on this one. Yeah, this one for me was from beginning to end with the few minor nitpicks that we pointed out. It's solid. Yeah. I mean, this this one it delivers the goods and then some on a lot of good levels. And I mean, just the, the freaking fire people alone for me. That's it, like you said, nine out of ten. I, I'd say eight or nine out of ten myself for this one because, um, I mean, you get plenty of great iconic he-man moments like the rushing after you know running after the spell stone especially anytime the he-man theme cranks up when he's in the middle of those moments it's always a happy place for me and um yeah i mean i i enjoyed even like anytime that you have like i said the you have the artifact and you have this like mythological thing like the horak being in there and stuff it's like that automatically just makes me happy because you're adding something to the universe of masters of the universe. So yeah, extremely good episode, way more adult themes than you would expect out of filmation like Matt was saying. So definitely worth a look. I probably should have done this in the beginning, but I'll go over right now. Uh, the curse of the spell stone. It was written by Mark Scott Zykri. 
uh, directed by Ed Freeman. Uh, the script was approved in December 13th of 1982. So once again, one of the earliest scripts. Um, mm-hmm. The final script revision was on July 13th, 1983. So Filmation's spent a lot of time developing the series and getting it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, it, once again, all this information comes from the uh, animated guide from Dark Horse by James Etock. Uh, it doesn't have the U.S. air date on this one, but the U.K. air date was September 26, 1983. Um, and okay. I know over there it was weekly, not every day, because uh, the U.K. airs things differently. I was trying to find Diamond Ray. Diamond Ray was the first episode. It was released in the U.K. on September 5th of 83. Um so, yeah, you're talking this would be like the fourth episode aired. So, it's right there mm-hmm. at the beginning. Um, let's see here. here. Oh, here's the quote from Evil Lynn before she uh, heads to that village. It's, it's a voice in the crowd can do more damage than even this storm. So, um, it's true. And it's true. That's the thing. It's uh, Sorry for the armpit shot there, guys. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening on our audio podcast, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're all right. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a solid episode. Um, take a look at it. Remember it. it. I was actually disappointed because back when they voted on the top 10 for that first uh, DVD release, they released the top 10 before they started releasing the individual volumes. Um, they had, on He-Man.org, they had voting for it. And Curse of the Spellstone was one of my votes. I, I can't remember all my 10, but I know Curse was one of them. And unfortunately, it was not deemed worthy. Um but once again, that's just nuts. Uh, yeah, it's it's an episode. I feel it is this. This is my underrated filmation episode. It, it, it no one talks about it. It doesn't get a lot of press. It it doesn't get mentioned like Diamond Ray or House of Shakoti or Problem with Power or even like She Demon of Phantos. Mm-hmm. But I feel it's it's right up there with them. It's it's definitely in my top five episodes. Yeah, so yeah, it, it was a crime not to be on the top. That's well, you've convinced me because uh, I I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've seen all of the filmation episodes when I was a kid because that was like daily, every day. I'm watching these things, but I don't remember every single one. So as a He-Man fan, I probably lost some cred for from people, but at the same time, you know, like. That's a lot of episodes to remember. Oh yeah, <laughs> the amount of uh, the amount that filmation had out, and and Sheer is one that I don't even have much of a leg to stand on. I remember Secret of the Sword. Yeah. That's pretty much my dipping the toe in on the Princes of Power franchise. Um, but uh, this one, yeah, it it stuck with me, and it, it it's like you said, it's not one of the ones people rave about. But if you watch it, it's like. No, there's some really, really good stuff here, and it really deserves more praise than you would remember it needing. So, yep. so I'm glad we covered it. Yeah, I completely definitely agree. a fan. So check it out. Uh, check out our previous episodes. This is the time where I want to ask you if you've enjoyed this. Please hit us a like, uh, hit subscribe so you know when our new episodes get uploaded. Uh, if you feel like sharing us, please do. Our hope is just to, just to get uh, some fans in here, get us talking, leave us a comment here. Check us out on Facebook, uh, Legends of Grayskull. And uh, either the, probably this episode, I'll start actually putting some links down below. 
Uh, Sean's going to send me his links to his art pages so that I can link them down below. Yep. Uh, check us out. Get in contact. And we will see you soon for episode two and a half, where we will discuss the DC first part of the three-part miniseries to tempt the gods. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, definitely get, get on there, comment. If there's something you want us to talk about that maybe we'll push a little bit forward compared to what we're planning, that's awesome as well. Cause fan interaction, that's how we met. Yeah. We were interacting with each other, just making comments. And the next thing you know, here we are doing this. So don't be afraid. Be part of the community. Um, be a legend yourself. That's, that's like probably that. how we should word it. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with the comic book and that one, that one made me smile because we're getting it. The the multiverse comic that's out right now through DC has reawakened me remembering all the different incarnations. So it's kind of fun to dip into that one and go, well, here's a what if almost of we could have had this version going forward had Filmation used it, yep. you know, basically. Yeah. Um, beyond that, yeah, uh, we'll see you for the next episode. All right. Until next time. Until next time.